Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Granite Cornerstone, episode number 13, where we're going to talk about social media in Freemasonry. Joining me tonight, we have uh, Right Worshipful Brother Scott Newberry and Right Worshipful Brother Chris Busby, both members of the Grand Lodge Communications Committee, uh, who are also responsible for helping to manage and monitor the Grand Lodge Facebook and social media channels. So welcome, Scott. And Chris. Even Tim. Chris, you're on mute, I think, there, buddy. Yes, I am. Good evening. Good evening, and welcome uh, to the show. And welcome to all of our viewers. Thank you for joining us this evening. So, social media. It's a big topic. There's a lot that goes into this topic. But I think one of the things that I would really like to talk about is you know, sort of what social media, what its role is in the fraternity, how we can make use of it and how we should make use of it as individuals. But also, I think one of the things that we don't really think about when we talk about social media and Freemasonry is how the lodge and the fraternity as a whole can make use of it to improve our outreach or improve the Masonic experience. So let, let's get into it. Chris, you are uh, largely responsible for managing the uh, Facebook page and social media channels of the Grand Lodge. I believe you are also largely responsible as secretary for, for managing those same channels for your own lodge. Mm -hmm. Scott doesn't even know what Facebook is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. to, to, be, to be fair, I, I'm in one of those groups that while I have a Facebook account, I don't utilize it to the same level a lot of other people do i've had some challenges with it and i've had some uh less than stellar experiences with some individuals on it and just decided that it doesn't fit where i want to be in life right now so i just made that decision i don't have anything against facebook in and of itself other than the fact that i think they've got their tentacles and everything but that's just me and you know what i think that's fair i think one of the things we we need to talk about tonight and you know this has come up in the past is that Facebook is the default social media, right? But mm -hmm. there are so many other channels out there. And when we start talking about a social media strategy for a lodge, for the Grand Lodge, for this podcast, we really do need to consider those other channels and, and sort of how we approach those audiences and, and how we can best utilize branching out from Facebook. Facebook is the easy one. It's something a lot of people use in their personal life. And then I know, Scott, you're an active Twitter user. Um, and there are definitely other social media platforms out there. So, Chris, you know, from your perspective, let's talk about, you know, what you can do with social media. What, what do you think is the strongest aspect of social media when it comes to the fraternity? Well, it, it's the, you know, the exponential uh, piece of it, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you share something on Facebook and... Um, you know, you have a user share it or several users share it. Um, it's going to reach each of those people's users and, and beyond and beyond and beyond. And that's, and that's the wonderful thing about it. You know, the term viral comes from that, right? Uh, it comes from the idea of, of how things spread on social media. Um, you know, to your earlier point, I, I think that uh, one of the things that we don't think about as much is that, you know, social media is at a particular uh, place in its age, I think, that um, 
different demographics are using it in a in different ways. Uh, I think that we're finding that you know old you know older users, and I'm I'm going to use that in air quotes, are, are 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 tend to sort of utilize things like Facebook and Twitter more frequently, whereas things like Instagram and Snapchat are, are more geared toward younger users. Uh, a lot of us don't tend to think about those sort of those 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 demographic differences because you know we kind of lump everything into a single group. You know, social media is social media, but it isn't. Um, and so there are are different ways to be able to use each of those platforms that are not uh, that are this that are similar but not the same. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I think that I think that you know one of the the biggest things we do when we start sharing things on social media is most lodges are more than happy to share a picture of an event. Those pictures with a, a you know a small blurb can also be cross posted to Instagram and reach an entirely different audience. And I think you know the the amount of effort that goes into that is is relatively minimal. Yeah, I think we overthink this, and, and I think that that because con, driving content, you know, uh, you know, certainly from the perspective of our communications committee, I think that 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 is the big struggle, right? Is to be able to obtain content from folks, and I think that a lot of when we think about that, it ends up being long form content rather than you know sort of those quick hits, and I think that even if you have those quick hits where you have an image of an event or an image related to, even if it's just a degree, a brother that's been raised and highlighting um, that particular brother and the work that the lodge is doing in a quick hit, I think is very important. Um, so I think that that was, that is one of the things that we sort of run the risk of doing is that we don't think even sometimes I, I'm guilty of this myself even as a member of the communications committee sitting in a grand lodge meeting and something happens and thinking, Oh, gee, I need to, I should break out my camera because this might be something that the grand lodge Facebook page or the Instagram page might, you know, it might be very good for. Um, and it's just sort of assigning somebody to be able to do that and, and think about that and stay on top of those things um, is very important. And there are a lot of very quick hit opportunities for that. I think. Well, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think well, one ahead, of Scott. the things you have to keep in mind, too, is, is that sometimes those quick hits can point back to a longer form piece. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things that sometimes we miss out on is the fact that you could have a larger article and you can just pull a snippet out with a photo and point somebody back to it. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is, is that um, you could do the same type of thing on Twitter that you do on Instagram, photo, short blurb, and it, it hits another completely different audience. Um because I know that there's that there are folks out there that you know they just uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, when they cross Facebook off their list of social media platforms, they cross all of Facebook platforms off, which includes mm -hmm. Instagram, because Instagram is owned by Facebook. Uh, right. So I mean, you know, there are, there are those people that would just cross the whole thing off and just be done with it. Uh, so it's it's important to keep in mind that there's other avenues to put that stuff out. And here's a here's something that most of us don't realize is that email is actually the original social media network. That's how we all used to communicate before these things came out. So, you know, dropping an email off to the brothers in your lodge doesn't have to be in the trestle board. Just shoot an email off. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, when I first joined, Rising Sun had a, a Yahoo group 
at the time. Oh yeah. His face I remember. Was, st- was still <laughs> very old uh, or very new. And every day you get, you know, what you now get on Facebook through an email. So that's a really good point. I mean, there are definitely ways to access those groups of people without going to Facebook or Instagram. Um, so we've got some comments here in the chat that, you know, we're going to come up later, but let's talk about them now uh, from Bobby Kalati. Um, many New Hampshire towns have their own Facebook page where the residents communicate about what's going on in the town. And, you know, along those lines, Facebook is free exposure. It allows the lodge to have a presence in the community and lodges can post about events. And I think that's one of the things that I really like talking about is we very often um, have events that are going on that are not just for Masons. Yeah. We have events that, and this is one of the things that I really, I, I struggled with in my, in my earlier years in Masonry and still do to some point, a lodge runs a fundraiser and the majority of those funds really are coming from members of the lodge. We're cannibalizing our own members for donations. When at the same time, those comedy nights, those dinners can be open to the public. And we don't have the, um, we don't have necessarily the exposure that we need to get them out there. So we can use this, the tools that are available in social media to do that. And I think that's something that, you know, every lodge should be considering for some of their, um, their events that are open to the public, you know, your, your monthly breakfasts and things like that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, great, Chris. Sorry, go, no, go ahead, Scott. No, I, after you, sir. <laughs> no, it's an easy opportunity. And I think, you know, Brother Bobby, you know, had mentioned, you know, not, you know, sort of not having a website, right? Yeah. And and, and looking at it from my own, I mean, I'm secretary of my lodge and, and looking at it from the website perspective, one of the ways that, one of the most important ways that, that we get um, expressions of interest in Freemasonry is through our website. Um and it, it's not terribly complicated, you know, from a perspective of we, you know, our web presence is, is pretty, pretty standard, pretty straightforward, but um, it's, uh, it's updated enough and active enough for to drive that, you know, that drive that interest uh, in Freemasonry and sort of taking that uh, you know, using those opportunities to be able, and I, again, I think we, I think we tend to forget about it. You know, I, I think that, um, and plus, I think, I, I think one of the, the the problems that we have, and you mentioned Tim, that you know, sort of the external piece, like for example, let's say St. Mark's Lodge, which Scott, that's your lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does uh, the Christmas tree sales is a huge fundraiser for the lodge, um, and and we forget those opportunities to be able. To, to broadcast that because the audit, I think it's important for us to, to recognize that the audiences are split, right? We, we, we are advertising to our own brethren and to brethren in our district and brethren in our jurisdiction, but we're also advertising to uh, the public, you know, from the perspective of those that might be interested in Freemasonry and even those that aren't. And, you know, in the case of, you know, say Christmas tree sales for St. Mark's, they don't have to be uh, interested in Freemasonry to buy a tree and support the lodge. So it's those opportunities that are, are are really key to be able to 
draw people in into uh, into into what we do. And not only that, and, and and Brother Bobby mentioned it again, is that you know every one of our communities in New Hampshire, I guarantee you, or anywhere, has a you know some sort of Facebook group or or other type of social media that is good for, you know meant to uh, talk about events that are happening in that particular community and so utilizing those channels to be able to advertise about open houses or fundraisers uh, is a very uh, very easy uh, you know low hanging fruit for us to be able to utilize yeah and i do know that uh, in the last year or two uh, our quote-unquote tree boss, the guy that actually heads up the tree sales has been active on the face, various Facebook groups. Tree Put boss, where can I get that? That's a great title. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is come over to St. Mark's and run our Christmas sales for the season. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure our current one would be love to give it to you. <laughs> you know, and that's, Chris, the first thing you mentioned is the exponential aspect of social media. Yeah. We as masons you know we have lodges putting these events out we're advertising primarily internally because we put it on our either our community page or our group but the 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 most powerful button on facebook is the share button yeah sometimes you need to use that power wisely and not share everything but at the end of the day sharing these events to your community pages sharing them to your friends and family who are not Freemasons is a huge, um, huge way to increase the exposure across huge swaths of people who are not on Facebook. Well, and if just one of them shares it, you know, who somebody who isn't a Freemason, you're now reaching an entire, you know, half of my Facebook friends list, I think is this at this point is Freemasons. But if one of my non-Freemason friends shares it, that's going to hundreds of people who have no idea who I am or who the lodge is who may mm -hmm. be exposed to an event. I mean, obviously your Christmas tree sales are an easy sort of sell to the community, but a community breakfast or community fundraising drive, those are all things that are great ways to pick up activity. Well, yeah, I, I think one of the things that we have to take a look at is, yeah, and it goes back to what Chris was mentioning is you need to know your audience you know, all these different yeah. social media platforms and where you do the sharing makes a difference. You know, there's all, uh, you know, as it's been mentioned several times now, we have a lot of community-based groups on Facebook so that, you know, when you add something to that particular group, it's that community versus something like, you know, uh, Twitter is a much more, as I, as, as I like to say, it's a town crier type thing where you're actually saying something to the global audience. You know, if someone, yeah, you see, you're, you have a tendency to hit a lot more people in a lot more different areas, uh, not necessarily your local community. And it's it's something that, you know, you need to be, to be aware of as you start to use these different tools. I think the other piece, too, and I, I know it's somewhere in our list of things that we were going to talk about tonight, is depending on where the original post is, you may not be able to share it. You know, if there's something goes into a private group versus a public group. I know that was something that we were we going to talk about at some point. Uh, so now's as good as time as any. But you know, a lot of our groups are private groups, and you can't unfortunately you can't just take and share something that's in a private group onto your Facebook wall. 
Well, so that's an important kind of distinction there. One of the other things that that I wanted to talk about that we discussed earlier is the difference between a a group versus a page, right? Yep. So a group is is a member based organization on Facebook, particularly, right? Where you have people who join and people who can see those posts, and you can set different privacy settings. But a page is more of an advertisement. It's something a business would use to illustrate their location, their hours, and add, you know, maybe some social media posts. And, you know, I, I struggle. Rising Sun has both a group page, a group and a page. Mm -hmm. And you really do need to know which one to post to, and you know, based on the content of what you're looking for. But I think, again, to, you know, to Scott's point, the shareability and the outreach from those posts is going to make a difference depending on where, what sort of, I, I want to say what sort of page it is, but whether it's a page or a group. Right. If we're talking about Facebook, um, you know, pages have, you know, one of the things about Facebook in particular is that the, uh, the settings uh, for privacy, you know, I, I think that, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, oh, gee, you know, I don't want to be out there and, and, and be too concerned about, uh, you know, what, who will see what. The settings that allow you to be able to sort of limit the visibility or expand the visibility of a particular post are, are pretty broad. Um, you're, you're, if you're talking about a group, for example, the Grand Lodge of New Hampshire has a private group. It's actually a secret group. <laughs> which is apropos, I suppose. Um, but, you know, a secret group on Facebook is that no one can find it, uh, you know, by doing a search on Facebook. You have to be specifically invited. We're, we're, trying, we're keeping that group to Master Masons only. However, if you create a, an event, say, or you, you post something within a private or a secret group and you <clears throat> want to share that, that's limited, right? You can't actually share something if you go to the uh, New Hampshire Freemasons private Facebook group and you attempt to share something from there. Um, you can't do it, um, and and that's for good reason, right? We're trying to, you know, keep that information among those that are 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 trying to, you know, that are available or able to view it, um, and so. Um, you have to think about your audience very specifically um, and decide what types of channels within within Facebook. Now, Facebook is unique in that regard is that, you know, is that in that um, the other channels like Twitter, for example, they don't have that. It's 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 sort of binary. Right. It's it's either you use it or you don't. Um, so you, you kind of have to think about what that particular post is about. If it's about a degree you know, for example, and you want to bring brothers to a degree, you know, uh, they have to, you know, if you post something to the private group, they have to be a member of that group in order to be able to see it. You know, you might want to consider posting it somewhere else so that it can be shared and that viral nature can, you know, can really, uh, of, of something like Facebook can really uh, come into play. Uh, whereas, you know, from a, a private perspective, a group perspective, you, you might not be able to do that quite as much. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind, too, is, is that the other big difference between pages and groups, pages have a very limited number of people who can post to them. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's, yeah. you know, when you when you're thinking about setting something up, that makes a big difference. If you have someone who's, you know, I'm going to run the Facebook page and then they're never on Facebook, they're not really helping 
the situation at all. So you kind of need people that are going to be active and involved and, and are willing to post stuff. It's it's something that, you know, uh, we've worked with at St. Mark's. We have a couple of brothers that are really interested in working on posting stuff. So they're the ones that actually handle all the postings. They may not be the ones who actually own the page, but they're the ones that are doing all the work and they have access to do that. Yeah, I think one of the things that Chris mentioned that I wanted to touch on is um, private groups. So most lodges have public groups because that's just how Facebook was organized, certainly for the, the Freemasons, you know, over the course of the last decade or so. Um, and that was how we, you know, before the advent of pages or the use of pages within the fraternity, that was how we advertised our presence in a community and, and really put our names out there on Facebook. Um, private groups have a lot of uses to Chris's point. The, the grand lodge has one and it's used more to speak directly to Freemasons about topics that are of Masonic interest and not public interest. But I think private groups have a really important presence within a lodge because how many places can you go and address every member of your lodge who's active on a, on social media. Right. And I think that's something that's really impressive for me. I mean, we obviously use our trestle boards to communicate. Our trestle boards are posted on the website uh, for, for many lodges. Uh, they're mailed out, but I know that, you know, the trestle board comes out at the beginning of the month and I may never look at it again. And as a result, something may slip my mind. So I go to a rising sun, uh, private page and see what's going on in my lodge because there's all these events for, you know, Masonic events and lodges can utilize those as a communication tool. They can use them to share events. So what kind of uses of private groups have you seen? Uh, you know, Chris, I know you're more active. We'll get, we'll get to other social media, Scott. I no, promise. no, it's okay. That's fine. I, you know, <laughs> it's, I, I, I realize that, you know, when it comes to, uh, the, the fraternity, in fact, with a lot of people in general, I realize that I'm in a, in a smaller circle. Like I said, I have a Facebook account. I pop, I think I go on maybe once every three or four weeks to, to kind of just do a quick check, see what's what. Uh, but it doesn't fit in with how I do things. And I have my own personal reasons for not being on Facebook. But, you know, it's, it's, I understand that it's the dominant social media for the fraternity at this point. And it's funny because I'm like the polar opposite of Scott. I'm I live yeah. in the I live in the Facebook matrix. Um, you know, yeah, you um, could probably see the little F tattooed on the back of his head. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you know, I mean, going going back to uh, to your question, and, and actually not really answering your question, but sort of uh, uh, elaborating on it a little bit, is that I think. I think our generations, right? Um, sometimes I think we rely a little bit too heavily on social media. Oh, absolutely. From that perspective, like so, you mentioned like emailing trestle boards and things like that, things going in the mail. I mean, you know, as a secretary of the lodge, you know, at one point everything used to go in the mail, right? I mean, there wasn't any of this <laughs> not twenty-five years ago, and now or less, and and now sort of we've we you know. A lot of lodges, a lot of uh, organizations have adopted that. But I think that uh, just here on this conversation between Scott and myself, Scott doesn't use Facebook uh, as regularly, even though he has an account. I use it all the time. And if that is the only place that you're publishing information, then you're going to lose 
a potential portion of the audience. Um, and, yeah. and that is that that is something that's that's also very important, even when we talk about, you know, groups versus pages versus different channels. Yeah. You, you um, also, we, we, I mean, one of the things you have to look at, and Chris, you and I ran into this already, you get you have to worry about the focus because or the filter that you're using, because, Chris, I'm sure you remember back a couple of years ago, I was a member of the degree team that you put together. Yes. And I walked into the temple oh, yeah. for the degree and you looked at me and go, where were you? You're supposed to be here at eight. I said, I didn't get that <laughs> message. And you put it out on the Facebook group and I right. hadn't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but that's a good example. I mean, real, admittedly, it, it was minor because, you know, it really didn't impact a lot of stuff. But, you know, it's something to be aware of. You know, you don't realize just because you're putting it there, the, a lot of people make an assumption, well, if I'm putting it there, everybody's going to see it. But and, and it's not just—it's not just Facebook. It's in a lot of other places too. You'll—you'll you'll see the same thing. Happen. Oh, sure, yeah. You and and sort and sort of that goes. And so I haven't answered your question yet, Tim, and I will come back. To no, you—you you keep talking. But you know, I, I think lodges struggle, and and so I, I can speak from our own experience in ancient York is that one of the things that I think we've struggled with is trying to pick those channels and stick with them that work that are going to reach the most brothers. And, and sometimes I think that we run into this sort of like, okay, we're going to post everything everywhere all the time. And, and that's okay, but it's challenging to manage. I can uh, be a full-time job. Particularly a set, right. Particularly a secretary. So I, I think brother Bobby had mentioned this before. And I don't, I say Brother Bobby because I don't want to butcher your last name because I'm, I'm going to. Um, and, and that is, you, you, just, you, you just sort of have to um, decide uh, uh, what it is that you're going to, uh, what it is that you're going to do from that perspective and all agree that this is sort of, uh, these are the avenues of communication that you're going to, uh, that you, you're going to utilize. Um, because if you don't, like Scott's example, if you're not all on the same page, then a message can be can be missed by key key members of a particular group, and then and and then you you run the risk of alienating uh, brothers or 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 not getting the people that you know targeting the people that you need to target. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, in, in, in that particular case, it was a, it was a minor because I knew I needed to be there. I just didn't know that there was an additional rehearsal being done that morning. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it in the grand scheme of things, it was minor, but I mean, I could just imagine someone not getting a message that a meeting's been canceled or something and showing up and it's like, where is everybody? Because they didn't get the message. It was on a platform they weren't on. Uh, so that's, you know, obviously that's something to be concerned about. The other thing to keep in mind too, is, is that, you know, it's not just picking the platforms you want to put the stuff on. You actually have to have people that are willing to help manage those platforms. You could say you're going to publish on everything. You know, well, we're going to do, we'll do our Facebook page. We'll do a Facebook group. We'll do a Twitter account. We'll do, you know, X, Y, and Z, other ones, Snapchat, whatever. But now you got somebody actually monitoring all of those. Yes. Yeah. And then that's actually why I invoked Bobby's name is because it doesn't have to be the secretary that manages all of this. It doesn't have to be the master that manages all that. It could be a brother that's not in the officer line um, that is on, on these channels, understands them. Um, and, and can run with it. And, and, and like you said, Tim, it, it, it can be even just with a small lodge, it can be 
uh, it can be a daunting task if you want to keep up with things to have that, you know, to, to address that with the other duties that, say, a secretary or a master has. To be able to assign that to another brother that's passionate about it, that wants to get involved, um, just like anything else in a lodge, you, you should leverage those brothers to be able to uh, to do that. So it doesn't necessarily need to be all of the same person that's managing all of these things, as long as there's communication as to what the expectations are as far as standards for posting, et cetera, if that makes yeah. sense. No, absolutely. And I think one of the things that not everyone has an understanding of, and, and Chris, I know you, you do certainly, is moderation of those Facebook pages and groups. I, I you know, I, I've got my notes here next to me and I don't want to use the words that I used in my notes, but Freemasonry can occasionally attract an audience that is not what we're looking for. And I know, you know, this came up just on a, on a Reddit post in, in the Freemasonry subreddit, the conspiracy theorists who think that we are, you know, oh, yeah. worshiping the devil or whatever it is, or people who are from, you know, other countries who have no exposure to Freemasonry and just send random messages. I mean, the number of messages I've seen in the Granite Cornerstone uh, Facebook page is astounding. But those are private messages. Occasionally, those messages leak over to our public channels. Sure, yeah, we've got comment, comments on YouTube that are um, that are out there, yeah. <laughs> and I mean out there. You know, those that 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 say that they belong to X Illuminati group that they want to recruit. You know, recruit us and oh yeah, the you know, Illuminati. Well, if if I don't get at least two of those a week, I must be doing something wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, we are, I think, as Freemasons in particular, uh, I think anyone that's out there is a, is a target. But I think just because of the nature of the mystique and myth around what Freemasonry is, uh, you get a lot of uh, a lot of folks that have unique perspectives. Let's just say that uh, on what Freemasonry is and 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 and. And, and how they want to talk to you. And, and so you have to sort of manage that. I can tell you as, as somebody that has two Grand Lodge or actually multiple Grand Lodge emails uh, as well, uh, both from a social media perspective, because we manage those channels and the emails, we get all kinds of nonsense for lack of a better term. Um, and, and it's something that you have to be very careful of because you don't want those things lingering out in the public um, to color anyone's uh, and see impressions of what Freemasonry is. That's one of the things that really, you know, when you look at having a social media presence, making sure you're targeting specific channels and being mindful in your targeting, because you do have to moderate those and moderate them relatively quickly. Because like you said, one of those posts sits out there for half an hour. God knows how many people have seen it. Excuse me. Yeah, and the you know that we were talking a little bit about this sort of you know in our in our podcast prep as far as you know being able to monitor those uh, those types of posts if you're if, you know if you're the one doing it, but also from a personal perspective and how we utilize Facebook. For example, I have it to where uh, on Facebook in particular, if somebody tags me in a post, right? They you know, for the kids, if they at me, right? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know, and they put my name in something that I have to approve it. 
like it will come up saying, you know, timeline review um, that I have to hit the space bar that I have to re- re- review that particular post. It's time to lose some weight there, Chris. Oh, You're muting yourself with your gut. <laughs> no, it wasn't my gut. I promise. Um, that it's a Mason bubble. Come on. <laughs> right. um, that's my level. Right. Um, you have to, you know, uh, be careful as far as those things, because you don't want somebody random tagging you in a post that has something objectionable in it. Um, so you can set those, you know, set those limits as well. But you can well, also do that as far as moderation. But to to, to that point, Chris, it's one of the things that, you know, frequently when we when we do stuff at the lodge, you know, we do a degree program or something like that. You know, a lot of times I'm the one that takes the photo. I may not be the one that posts it on Facebook or, or, or one of the other avenues, but I usually am the one to take the photo. Before I actually snap the photo, I actually let, especially the, if it's a new set of brothers we ju- that just started their journey, hey, we're taking this photo. It's going to go up on the website. It's going to go on our Facebook page. Are you comfortable with that? Right. Because there are some people who don't want their images put out there. I mean, they're few and far between, but there are a few out there. And, so and there are still people who, who maintain some level of secrecy as to their membership in the fraternity. Absolutely. You know, yeah. The membership in the fraternity is still illegal in some countries. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's something we all have to be aware of. And, and I think that that's something that I know doesn't get addressed anywhere near as often as it should. You know, you go to an installation and the installing suite and the new officer suite are always going to be there taking a picture and generally, you know enough about those those individuals to be sure they're okay with it. But at the same time, how many times have I looked on Reddit and seen a picture of a third degree that was just performed somewhere, or somebody was just, you know, made a, a Knights Templar, and there's a picture with eight people in it, and only one of those individuals is a Reddit user, and as a result, I've now got seven guys whose faces are out there who may not want the public to know they're Freemasons, who may not want the public to know that they're a, a member of the Knights Templar and sure. whatever organization within Freemasonry it is. And we don't get those, sort, you know, we don't get those sort of media waivers that you would have in, in a lot of public spaces. And that's a consideration that's very important. You know, one of the things that's, I believe this is in the Grand Lodge Constitution, you cannot publish the name of a prospective member until they've completed their entered apprentice degree. That's that correct. Yep. And that's something, you know, thankfully I haven't seen it happen, but that's an important aspect of this as well. We need to be aware of the content we're putting out there, the people who are part of that content and, and sort of making sure that we're maintaining their privacy to a degree that they would like. We need, and we don't do that ever plenty of people have taken my picture and nobody's asked me if i'm okay with it being shared and that and that's something that a lodge can 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 deal with with a with a, with a you know a disclosure or a waiver of some kind to say you know that that you know that you know we'll we'll take images and we use social media and we use the website and your image may be included in in one of those to make sure at least that the brethren know that that's a possibility and can decline uh, those instances uh, in those instances, you know, to make sure that they are able to protect that. I would say that it's also not, 
you know, and I, I know we're talking about masonry here, but, you know, also even more, uh, more important when we talk about sort of the youth organizations, which, you know, two of us yeah. are very heavily involved in and, and, and publishing pictures of, uh, of, of our, uh, of our, of our children, essentially. Or you know, other people's uh, children. Or other people's children on social media. So those are all things that, that lodges and brothers, because, you know, lodges all have, inter, you know, many of them have interaction with, uh, with the youth organizations as well. Um, not to say that, the, you know, the, the, the youth is, well, the, the youth is more important in the way of, of protecting them, but from the perspective of, of privacy and concerns related to that, to, to address those issues with, you know, with all that might be involved. I'm going to shut up now. Oh, that Scott was going to say something. No, nope, nope. <laughs> it's that more awkward moment of silence. We have to have periodic. Uh, well, right, let's not have that. So <laughs> I, I do want to address one thing that, that brother, uh, right. Which Flackridge had mentioned about the, about clutter. Um, totally it's, agree. It's interesting. So it's a weird thing with, with all of the the social media, they all have their own algorithms, and no one really understands them because they don't get published. No one, none of the algorithms are. No one comes out and says, "Okay, well, this is how this works," right? But I can tell you from from personal experience that certain types of posts get definitely get boosted compared to others uh, when it comes to social media particularly with Facebook, because you have to think that Facebook allows a, a lot of different types of posts uh, on it. Whereas Twitter, uh, Twitter tends to be obviously more text-based. There, there can be media there, but, uh, you know, everything is sort of at least based on the foundation of, of, of a text-based message. Whereas Facebook, you can do a lot of different things. Um, it, it posts with images, videos, or events tend to get distributed by the algorithm, at least from my experience, further than those that are just simply text-based uh, on 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 Facebook. Um, that being said, there are brands, and again, I and just for full disclosure, I come from a background of about 17, 18 years of of, of marketing and digital marketing experience. Now that's it. I'm done with this call. And <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I'm just saying. And, and and what I've seen is that as far as frequency is concerned, is that no, you don't want to drown, you don't want to post something every hour on the hour all day, but you don't necessarily only have to post one item per day because uh, you can post multiple items uh, on a on a public page to make sure that you know the 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 algorithm might pick up one thing and not another. So you're not necessarily, or a, a particular person in your audience might see one over the other. And we don't have necessarily as administrators of these channels have act, control over that. Um, so if there is important information, definitely post it, but think about the frequency. Think about the time of day that you're posting because some times of day are, are, are better to be able to post than others. Um, and and to, to spread that out a bit from the perspective of a public page, it's less of an issue than on a group, because if you're spamming a group, if you're posting a lot in a, in a group, um, groups on Facebook tend to receive more, the, the, those that are participating in a group tend to receive more in the way of notifications 
um, direct notifications of individual posts than on pages. Um, and so in those groups, if you're posting multiple times, the members of those groups are gonna receive multiple uh, notifications and may tune that out. Whereas on pages, um, depending on how they're following that page, and I hope I'm not getting too complicated in describing this, they may not see that even if they are following the page. So there are ways to be able to think about that frequency depending on, uh, on the social media and the particular type of channel that you're using even within that media. Twitter, for example, I know Scott can speak on this uh, probably even better than I can, or definitely even better than I can. Um, frequency on Twitter is not a bad thing. Um, no, uh, because exactly. because it's one of those things like you, 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 the message is gone very quickly. You need to have those quick hits on Twitter. Well, Twitter is stream of consciousness, right? It's right. right. It, yeah, it, it's flowing on a constant and, and, basis. And to be honest with you, the a lot of folks that use Twitter to communicate, especially if they're trying to communicate with a global audience, will actually post the same message multiple times. Right. There'll be a little, maybe a, a word change here or there, so it doesn't fall under the you know you're just repeating yourself uh, rule with uh, Twitter because they do look at that stuff. But you could see the same uh, Twitter message. I know that I've in the past where I've worked with some folks that with with uh, web properties, we'd hit like three or four uh, Twitter messages in the first 24, 36 hours a post went up on their website. Then you'd repeat it again a week later. Then you repeat it again two weeks later. So you have an opportunity to hit the audience that you're missing because right. it's like you said, it just goes by so quick. Uh, you know, I'll, I, I open up my Twitter feed and, you know, before I scroll to the bottom of the screen, I've got another 20 messages in my Twitter feed. Yeah. So. Oh, I, that's, I can't do Twitter. Well, it's and, way and, too and, much going on. Well, the, the, the challenge with Twitter is, is that it, 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 Twitter relies on you to curate or filter your feed, your, your stream. So like I've got, you know, X number of people I follow, they're all in the mainstream, but I actually have lists that are set up of group of individuals I want to follow or lodges I want to follow or topics I want to follow. They're all independent lists. And I can look at each one of those lists separate from the entire stream. And the nice thing about those lists is that I don't have to follow that person. I could actually pick up all the Twitter feed from Chris without ever following Chris. As long as I have his handle, I can find it all because Twitter is a public platform. It doesn't have the, if you want to go private on Twitter, uh, you go private and no one sees your messages unless you give them permission to see them. That, yeah, that's a very important. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, and it's a very hard line on Twitter. I have a couple of individuals that, you know, keep their Twitter messages to, you know, to a very small select group because they're afraid of the ramifications of some of the messages that they're putting out. Not because they're of the content, but because from a mental state that they're in, they don't want to deal with the negativity that could come back from it. You know, especially when you're learning about a topic or, you, or you're sharing stuff that's rather personal, you want to make sure that the group you're working with understands that and can appreciate it and gives you the support you need. You don't need to have 100,000 people suddenly saying, you shouldn't do that, you know, or right. I can't believe you said that. You know, some of us live a little bit more out, out there in the, in the public on, on Twitter. Uh, you know, I've had several Twitter uh, streams that I've actually had to shut down. Or taking myself out of because I didn't want my audience to see the ongoing back and forth that's happening because I got copied into the thread or started off on one of my thread. Yeah. Just one of the things like in like in Facebook, you could at somebody, and a lot of times people now reply to everybody that's on the on the thread. And now it's like, 
four, five, six messages in. All right, you guys have gone off on a tangent. I don't want my audience to see this anymore. So then I just cut myself out of it. So, I mean, you know, it's, well, it's a very different platform. Well, so Brian Ellis asks, uh, is Twitter big in masonry? And I know, Scott, you and I have talked about it a little bit. But what have you seen in Masonic Twitter? That's how they talk about Twitter, right? Well, right. Well, I mean, you know, when you look at when you look at Twitter and masonry, it's it's a very mixed bag because you've got some areas uh, that you know basically you know, everybody was told get a Twitter account, use it. Uh, but we've actually had several brothers out there that their Twitter feed is a constant stream of articles. Uh, stuff that's being posted that's related to the masonry, so it makes it makes it really nice if you're trying to find something in particular. Uh, I don't think that Twitter as a whole is as large uh, for for the Masonic fraternity as a whole that Facebook is, or at least it doesn't have the same public facing as as Facebook does when it comes to masonry. You don't have, I mean, I do know and I do follow a lot of lodges and a lot of grand lodges because they have Twitter accounts. Some are more posted to frequently than others. Uh, some I think haven't seen posts in several years, uh, but you know, it's, it's, but you see the same thing on Facebook. Someone will start a Facebook page for a lodge and it never gets updated. So it becomes just a billboard that's out there and you go, okay, well, it's the same thing as your website. Yeah. You know, and like, that, and, yeah. And, the, and you have the, the sort of, uh, po potential negative aspect of that where you have a, just like if you have a website that doesn't get updated, if you have uh social media channels that don't get updated at least somewhat regularly um you might have a perspective you know somebody that might be interested in in freemasonry that might look at a channel and say oh well that hasn't been updated in six months they must not be active and sure. that that's sort of a visceral thing i mean that you know i think most people can think about it and say well that might not be true but i think that the the initial reaction of that is Oh, 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 maybe I need to look at something else or, you know, you know, maybe this group is not is not relevant. And so that's the risk you run, I think, when creating those channels. And so you, to your point, Scott, you have to be very, uh, very cognizant of the fact that, you know, that how how that's looked at by by the public at large, especially when we're you know trying right. to attract attract you know men to the fraternity yeah i mean you know, like i said it's I'll, I'll, it, it's it's a challenge no matter what platform you use uh but, you know I'm, I'm just i just pulled up my twitter account on, on the other screen and i've got one list that i've curated down to 175 twitter accounts on, on that particular one you know they some of them follow me back i follow some of them some of them i just keep an eye on because they've got interesting stuff that pops up I've got uh, lists that are for U.S. Grand Lodges and for non-U.S. Grand Lodges. So there's a lot of Twitter out there for for masonry, but keep in mind it's a different type of flavor. It's not you don't get as much back and forth. It's that town crier type thing where, hey, right. this is what's going on. Now, admittedly, a lot of times if you get a response, it's it's very you usually get very positive or you get something that's you know as we talked about earlier at the other end of the spectrum. The, the conspiracies and those kinds of things. And, you know, there's a lot of that out on Twitter. Uh, Twitter isn't as well policed as some of the other uh, uh, social medias out there. There's, yeah, there's a lot more anonymity, I think, uh, that it there can be, yeah. Is from a per, just the perception, I think, of the various social media channels, I think that there's definitely more anonymity felt in, in Twitter. And, and, and that's, that's, a, that can be a good thing or, or a bad thing is as, as far as 
you know, sort of the tone of, of conversations out there. I will say, and Scott, you mentioned this before, just, you know, as a reminder, um, it's interesting because globally, I think Twitter is, is very much used for masonry and, and probably less so in the United States. But if you look at the, the United Grand Lodge of England, the provincial yeah. Grand Lodges, right? You've mentioned hey, this, uh, all sort of have like, mandated like you have to have a twitter yeah account. i mean if, if you take a look at the at, at the uh, especially the english lot a lot of the english lodges have active twitter accounts uh in fact i've swapped messages with several guys that maintain websites and twitter feeds for their lodges in, uh, across the pond so to speak but you know and it's it's a very different approach you know they, they've got you know they they're much more concerned about what they put out there and how they put it out there because especially in England, there's a very different perception of what a Mason is versus what we have here in the States. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. So there's another, uh, I want to address Dave Ackridge's comment in a minute, mm -hmm. but uh, there's a, a post, a comment about uh, Masonic content on TikTok. You know, it's funny that that gets mentioned because even just today, um, I do have a TikTok account. Oh, big surprise. Guilty. <laughs> Chris, is there a the, social media the, platform you're not on? <laughs> the 45-year-old. No, there isn't, actually. Uh, I, 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 except, I, I, bet, I bet you there might be one. Except some of the, the, the political ones I can. No, no. I bet you there's, well, there's, there's a privacy-focused one that's out there that you're probably not on. Probably not. Um, but, <laughs> it, you know, it's funny because I was sort of just kind of scrolling on, on TikTok. And for those that don't know what TikTok is... It's sort of the pre the the inheritor of Vine and what Vine what Vine and TikTok Vine was TikTok is is just these very short form video right it's a it's a it's a definitely a video based platform you know usually the videos are less than a minute um, sometimes as little as ten or fifteen seconds um, and I was scrolling through, not targeting anything, uh, just looking at just sort of what's being recommended to me. And I don't follow any, uh, any Facebook groups or, or excuse me, uh, TikTok, uh, accounts that are uh, associated with masonry. And I had a Masonic, a pro Masonic, um, post come up, but equally I've seen a lot of conspiratorial anti-Masonic things come up. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I just opened up TikTok on my other monitor and yes, there's a lot of like devil horns and pentagrams oh, yeah. and all sorts of stuff on there when you talk about Freemasonry, but there's, I mean, I'm looking at a, a content creator here. His name is Widows Miho. He's uh, got 67,000 followers and almost every single post on his TikTok is Facebook related. There's a guy, uh, Freemasonry explained, uh, brother and Shriner out of Oklahoma, with is, almost is ten Freemasonry related, not Facebook related. Is that what you meant? Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. Okay. And he's got <laughs> okay. almost ten thousand followers. So, so on before his TikTok. so before everybody goes out hunting, no, I'm not on TikTok. That surprises no one. <laughs> but district technically grandmaster, come on now. John Ramsdale brought this up. I think, or maybe it was. I don't know. It was. Uh, yeah, so John Ramsdale brought this up. The channels are always changing. I would never in my life have considered TikTok a place to go for Masonic content. But apparently, it does relatively well. Yeah. And how, how do we adapt to identifying these ever-changing platforms and, and making 
That's it right there. Widow's Miho is great. So how do we adapt as, as lodges, as people to finding these, these content creators or these content platforms and making the best use of them? Ask your kids. That, 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 yeah, yeah. I know, I know that sounds ridiculous. And, and so Dave, Dave uh, right where Flackridge, Dave uh, Ackridge had mentioned, you know, have we, have we considered uh, a social media one-on-one and that, and that, and actually we've put some of that stuff together. We were actually tasked uh, a, a while ago to put together, you know, event planning based recommendations associated with open houses. And we actually have that about 90% done. And then what happened <laughs> after we began <laughs> writing that uh, was, was, was COVID, but um, no, we, we, we don't have that. Um, and Chris, and go ahead and that up. It, no, well, it's hard. It's hard for, for brothers. It's hard for anyone to keep up with that. I mean, I fully acknowledge it as somebody, excuse me, if somebody that, that mm, excuse me, acid reflux, if somebody, um, somebody that lives sort of in that world, I find it difficult to keep up. Well, with. so I, I, well, to that point, Chris, I think the problem isn't necessarily keeping up with it. The problem is, is that each of us has those channels, which we're comfortable with or the ones that we understand. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, let's face it. I mean, if you came to me and say, hey, Scott, I want you to run a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook for me. I'm going to struggle with it just because I'm not familiar with the platform. I don't use the platform. Likewise, if I said, hey, can you handle all this Twitter stuff for me? There's a really good chance you're going to go, uh, as long as it's cut and paste, I'm good. Uh, so, but, you know, the whole, uh, the management of a, of a Twitter feed is very different than Facebook. I mean, there's some similarities, obviously, but then you go off onto, you know, some of the other platforms, the Snapchats, the TikToks, the you know, Instagram. Uh, I don't know of many lodges that are utilizing LinkedIn, but you could do a, a, a business page for a lodge on LinkedIn just as easy as you can anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, you, know? you look at other social media platforms, YouTube is a social media platform. Absolutely. Posting content to YouTube. I mean, St. Mark's just did a, um, a cornhole tournament. If you had somebody who would film that, uh, you could put that video up or, or you know, the, the victory lap of I believe it was uh, Gus won, won again, right? Yes, with a different partner this year. Okay. But again, you could put something like that up on YouTube and share it. YouTube is harder to build an audience, in my opinion, um, because it is an, it's an impersonal um, social media platform. It but be. it's still a way to get the word out there. Put it on your Facebook page, a link to your YouTube, a link to your YouTube on your website, and you can share different kinds of content that you know may not be as digestible on those other platforms. And I think that's really important. Uh, this TikTok thing is a surprise to me. I might have to, you know, sign myself up and uh, see what's going on on Masonic Mason talk. Somebody called it. So uh, see what's going on there. But well, I, but that goes back to, a, I, I think, a central point that you have to take a look at when you're building an online presence. And Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, one of the things you want to take a look at is where's your your source of truth going to be? In other words, if I want to have people be able to reach out to the organization, if I want to be able to reach out to my lodge, I want to give them a lot of different avenues. But if I want to say this is where I want to generate everything from or where I want to drive everything to, you should pick a spot. That way, you know where where the so quote unquote funnel is. You know, uh, I know at one point with St. Mark's, we you know it was the the website. Everything went to the website first, and then everything pointed back to the website. Yeah, you know, 
Uh, it's not quite so much that way now because like everything else, everything's kind of shifted over to Facebook. Everybody's kind of forgotten about there's a, there's a web out there still. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, it's something you should think about when you put together a social media plan for your, for your lodge or your, your, even yourself, where are you going to, where do you want to post and what do you want to, what are you going to post about? How are you going to go about it? And are you trying to drive traffic to a specific place at the other end of the, uh, at the end of the end of the funnel? So. Yeah, and it goes back to everyone that you, you know, especially within the lodge, needing to to sort of know where to expect information and content, because that yeah. ultimately, you know, that is tends to be sort of our number one audience is ourselves, right? Yes, it, it's not our only audience by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, we tend to talk to ourselves in, in that way to be able to to get to get guys engaged in the various things that we're doing. Some some talk to themselves more than others. I talk to myself all the time, but that's not related <laughs> to this conversation. I'm just insane. But, um, but admit it you know, on, on on YouTube. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, there's there's no secret there. But you know, I, I think that um, I, I think that you know you, you kind of need to decide where your audience exists now. To the earlier point that Tim made, and I just kind of want to backtrack a little bit, and that is that um, people are posting negative stuff about Freemasonry in every single one of these channels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every single one of them. So as a fraternity, I'm not saying that the Grand Lodge of New Hampshire needs to be. I'm not saying that every lodge needs to be. But as a fraternity, uh, globally, we need to we need to be aware and we need to be not responding to those things, but putting out a message that is true to who we are so that we, we have a narrative out there and, uh, and that we can tell our story out there because you're not going to, you're never going to defeat. If your goal is to defeat the negative or defeat the conspiracies, it's not going to happen. You're going to lose. So we need to focus on sort of the positive message about what, the fraternity is and and who and who we are so that we can't necessarily we might not necessarily drown out that noise but we can be a, a response uh to it in our own in our own without way. engaging it yeah i mean you, if you engage it you're going to lose i i have yes. examples of that oh yeah of, well, of, tr of trying to engage it and 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 i, I and think the folks that the folks that don't want to the folks that don't like masonry are never going to mason like masonry, and you're never and you're really not going to change their mind. No, and I agree with that. I think in in I've had some instances where I, it, those that put the negative message out in response to something that I've posted, yeah. it's a it's a rational conversation afterwards. The vast majority aren't, but there are a few out there that every once in a while it's like, this is what I believe. This is where I think you're incorrect. It's a nice and you can do a back and forth. But I follow what I call a three comment rule. So I put I'll put something out there. I get the response back. If it's a negative response, I might ask for clarification. I may just say, "Hey, sorry, I realize that you've got your title, your own opinion." If the next comment comes back from that same individual and it's again it's in that negative zone, I'm done. I, I just shut the conversation down at that point. That's my rule. Everybody has their own limit, but I know that if I get two comments in a row being argumentative like that from someone who wants to sit on the opposite side of the fence, most of the time, that's all it's going to be from that point forward. And it's and not I worth the energy. Can, 
I think you can tell from the context or from the number <clears throat> of insane capital letters that they use generally, <laughs> you know, whether those people are, are presenting what they consider a legitimate condemnation that maybe they have a misunderstanding or if they're one of those people, right? You know, I think that there's, there are certainly people who, who kind of blend on the line, but I think that you can generally tell by looking at the context of the post, what sort of person yep. you're engaging with. And you need to know when, when to jump in and when not to. And I think that's what, you know, I don't want, you know, I didn't want to, this is something that's important to say is, you know, when you engage with those people or you engage with any topic that's slightly controversial, if you're an active member of this fraternity, there's a good chance that everyone who follows you, friends with you on social media knows it. And engaging in that kind of behavior or acknowledging it, you know, it does tend to be an acknowledgement on, on behalf of the fraternity from people who are not a part of it. You it's, represent, a it's a slippery slope. Yeah. It is. Yes, it is. You represent Freemasonry anytime you're posting to a platform where your presence as a Mason is known. And the things that you say, the people you engage with, the arguments you get in, unfortunately reflect on the fraternity because most of my non-Masonic friends on Facebook, I am one of, if not the only Freemason they know. And True. one thing from me could set them on a path of thinking this is how the fraternity is. I know I've heard it um, secondhand from you know people, oh, this person I know is a Freemason and he's a real pain. Are you all like that? And, you know, unfortunately, there is that perception out there of, you know, the fraternity. And we need to make sure that we do everything we can to protect the image of the fraternity as much as we can. It's it's a hefty responsibility for each and every one of us. But I think it's an important responsibility for us to acknowledge. A lot of people have a, an opinion on what we are. And so yeah. when, when you're in that situation... Uh, of having to, you know, sort of not address it, but just be this, you know, the object of uh, of that sort of criticism or opinion. Um, you know, what whatever we do is going to be a, a huge, you know, is going to have that impact. Sorry, Scott, you're going to say something. No, I I think it's when you think about posting, we talk about how you know, for a lot of people, we are the face of the fraternity. It's it's just an extension of something we've talked about several times in the past. You know, it's it's you know, you've got the you're guarding the West Gate. It's the same thing when you're posting out on media. You're part of that filter that people are using to determine whether or not they're interested in in, in your how you respond to things and how you interact with those people. It's part of that same process because you may have a conversation with somebody on on one of these social media platforms and you know, six months later, they've joined the fraternity wherever they happen to be located. It may not be right. in our jurisdiction. It may be somewhere else. So, I mean, it's it's something to think about is that you need to understand that, you know, both good and bad can, can come out of those conversations. And like it or not, we're, we're the face of the fraternity. Well, which goes to, you know, which goes to the Grand Lodges of Social Media Policy and other things. And, that, and that's why the, those, those things are important. You know, we, you know, we are, you know, the Grand Lodge of New Hampshire, uh, beyond sort of the communications committee, doesn't have uh, any further sort of uh, PR arm to it. We all are that, <laughs> right? Every, and not and when every, you say we all are, every single 
one yeah. of the 4,500 plus members in this jurisdiction. Yeah, you bet. And so um, if, if we, you know, obviously, you know, no one's trying to subvert anyone's, uh, you know, speech uh, on their platforms, but, you know, we, we are, uh, social media provides a very unique opportunity and a unique potential pitfall. Uh, for us, because we we have such there's just such power in it. Yeah, um, there, there is, and it's one of those things that you 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 know with great power comes great responsibility. I've I've heard that quote somewhere before. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that you know you Eric. can do, and like I said, like you said, you know, no one's trying to stop you from speaking your mind. You know, by all means, it's one of the, it's one of the one of the foundational pieces of Freemasonry is that we're all entitled to our opinion. We're all yeah. should be able to speak our opinion. And be able to have a, a civil discourse on what we're talking about, uh, but you know, one of the things that uh, I always look at is is that you know when you go to post something, is it something you would have been comfortable saying in front of your mother? And That's a good it, rule. and if you're not comfortable doing that, then maybe you shouldn't post it. Now, I realize that and, for some people, that's a much wider view of things. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 just something to keep in mind. You know, I I, I forget where I saw it, but someone actually on his website, I, in the, you know, those things that we all used to go to, his comment at the top of his comment section of every single one of his posts, you know, he, among his rules were, if you were having this conversation in my living room and your mother walked in, would she want to read this? You know, yeah. and it's it's it, it puts things in perspective for you. You it's know, easy I, for I us. Think... It's very easy for us to lose our heads because I think there's that separation uh, uh, that that becomes a little bit impersonal. Yeah. Uh, like you know, you talk about Twitter. You know, Twitter. You know, there can it can be a little abusive sometimes. It's a, it can be a bit spicy. Yeah. And, and so yeah, I mean, just just thinking about sort of you know uh, those, that social media is extension of ourselves and how we would interact with other human beings. I think is really important. Yeah, and I think that you know one of the one of the tenets of this fraternity is, is being mindful, being, you know, introspective and, and yeah. thinking about the actions that you take. And, and Dave Ackridge, you know, put a little piece in the, in the comments there on YouTube, ever walked and act as such. And that's, you know, every interaction, you are a Freemason. If you are the guy who has a Freemason bumper sticker or has a Freemason license plate in Massachusetts, and you cut somebody off or you're a rude driver, it's going to reflect on you. And I know, listen, I'm not the most calm driver on the road. Really? <laughs> but I know that when I had a Masonic emblem on my car, I was always mindful of the fact that I had a Masonic emblem on my car. You know, um, and you got to think like that when you're when you're operating in this world. It's very easy to forget that. And I, you know, I think about uh, uh, a long time ago, I decided, you know, I got involved in Rainbow and again, I'm bringing up the youth organizations, but it's, it's, it's super important is that, you know, I've got, and I've sort of made a rule and all of the advisors in the youth organization sort of make a rule that it's, you know, I'm not going to friend a, uh, friend, friend a youth necessarily, but if they friend me, that's fine um, proactively on their end. But those those girls, you know, in Rainbow, because I'm very involved in Rainbow, see what we do. We're supposed yes. to be the examples of what it means to be a just and upright Mason. And and so 
the question that I asked is not about my mother necessarily is, is, is about, you know, if a rainbow girl reads this, is it going to be okay? You know, it, 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 you know, is that an acceptable message for them to read? And so that's, that's constantly in my mind. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a, a good approach to take, you know, just again, run it through your head and say, is this the right thing to post? And just, you know, whether it's Scott talking about, you know, is this something your mother should read or to Chris's point, is this something a, a rainbow girl should read? It's yeah. very important to understand that you are an example at every moment that you interact with anyone anywhere. You know, I wear a Masonic ring on my finger. I go out and I do something stupid or I do something rude that I'm now guilty. You're all guilty by association with me because I'm the only example they have of Freemasonry. And if that's what the Masons are like, then that's what they're like. And that's not fair because not everyone in this fraternity is exactly the same but unfortunately, human. it's human nature. It's human, yeah. That, and, and exactly you know, it. it's it's just something we have to live with. Um, so this has been a great discussion owing to the hour. And I understand there's a, a football game on tonight that a lot of people want to watch and started it, about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, I know. I got the notification on my watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to wrap this up. So Masonry does not rest for football. It does not, but hey. now, now, admittedly, we did run an episode. Wasn't it the Super Bowl or something? We ran an episode. Yes, we on? Did. But Tom <laughs> Brady's coming back to Boston tonight. So yeah, it's a Tom Brady. Yeah, so I, I, I'm Fair. sure that there are people that have got that on their other screen right now. So, so Scott, any final words to share with our audience? The, the only thing I would say is, brother, and don't be afraid of social media, but be mindful of what you're doing on it. Uh, and if you have questions, you know, reach out to the communications committee because I know that email address is going to go up on the screen and the Cornerstone yeah, yeah. podcast email address will go up on the screen. And uh, But, yeah, I think that's one of the things that, you know, it's it's important that we all kind of stay mindful of what we're doing. And at the end of the day, it's just another tool that we can use to raise awareness. We just have to be cognizant of what we're doing on it. And I, I couldn't say that any better. I mean, that that's ultimately what it is. And another thing, just r really quickly that, you know, I, you know, Tim, you and I talked about a little bit, but uh, we didn't mention is, is that, you know, uh, it's Facebook and the social, all the social media channels, or even search engines are great ways to be able to advertise what you're doing uh, on a, you know, a relatively cheap basis. Um, if you want to put out some advertising money to be able to specifically target a group to come to your event or about your lodge in the community there are ways to be able to do that as well so definitely reach out to us because between the members of the communications committee we all have that experience um, in one way shape or form so we are happy this is part of the, the what we're here to do is 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 to be able to to help brothers and help lodges get the get the message out and, and provide some, some recommendations. So please reach out to us for that. And, and just to kind of piggyback on what Chris said, you're not going to find a cheaper way to advertise. You're not going to find a cheaper way to engage your audience than using social media. The Scottish right, uh, Northern Masonic jurisdiction just did their not just a man, a Mason campaign. Yeah. And those materials are available for every lodge to use. Find a platform that works, be consistent in messaging on that platform, try new things, see if they work. And if they don't, so be it, but don't be afraid to try and reach out to the communications committee, reach out to the podcast team, which is three fifths of the communications committee. 
Um, if you have any questions, we are more than happy to help you figure out what it is you need to, to get started on social media to kind of improve your presence. And thank you for joining us tonight. We will be back on November the 7th and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to uh, our guests this evening and have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. Good night, Tim and Scott. Good night, brethren. Thank you.